Welcome to the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will be greatly encouraged as Pastor Dale Walker and others bring a fresh word from God directly to your heart. Be blessed. Well, I'm excited just to share this word from you. See in your sermon outline, we're in this series called From Doubt to Destiny. And, and we've talked about how all of us go through seasons. and We call it the season of doubt. It's that in-between place where things that we know in our head, in our heart, suddenly don't match what we're seeing with our eyes. Um, things that we thought were going to be this way, we expected it. And, and suddenly, everything seems out of line, and we're, we're sort of in a washing machine. We're in this land of in-between. How many agree this last year, there's been a lot of those times? And, and there's, there's not been a lot of answers, a lot of questions. I heard about a little kid asked his dad, Dad, I have some questions. Is it okay if I? He says, yeah. He says, Dad, how many people are in the world? He says, son, I don't know. How deep is the ocean? I don't know. Uh, when is Jesus coming back? I don't know. Well, Dad, I hope you don't mind me asking all these questions. Oh, no, son. How else are you going to learn everything? You know? <laughs> but how many have asked some questions? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And yet, during these times, what we've said, God wants to do a work in us. It, it is actually strategic. This time, it's like how he builds muscles. There's a deconstructing those muscles in hard times so they can reconstruct to be stronger. See, faith is not the absence of doubt, it's overcoming doubt. And it's, it's something we learn. One writer said, uh, doubt is, is what happens. It's like people who handle doubt right are like the oyster who take the irritant of the sea and produce out of it a pearl of great price. We take things that we struggle with and we say, God, I, I'm not going to just lose my way now. I'm going to hear what you want to do, and I'm going to know you better. How many know if you do it right, doubt can just make you more certain? Things you knew in your head, now you know in your heart. You know, after, after I started dating Sharon, there was a time we broke up. And, uh, remember your breakup time? Wow. And, uh, and it was like, oh, what am I going to do? Where should I do? What should I do? And I remember my, my mom, and we had this conversation. She's saying, well, Dale, did God speak to you? I said, well, yeah. And I said, but I feel this. And oh, but how about that? And oh, them over there. And, and all of a sudden, she said, but what is God saying? And, and it came to me that in the middle of that, wow, Sharon's the one. <laughs> I know now. I know that I know See, God loves for us to honestly dig in when we are struggling and ask questions. He doesn't want us to have assumed faith. You know, how many know some religious people like they don't, I never have a doubt, right? No. Those are the first people that usually backslide. It's the people who are like, this is so hard. God, we're going to wrestle. I'm going to wrestle you like Jacob did. I'm going to get this out. And through that, God speaks. A famous scientist, Sir Francis Bacon, you might remember that 400 years ago, he wrote a book and he said, when people start with certainty, they usually end in doubt. But if they start with doubt, they might usually end in certainty. As they go through it, as you ask your hard questions to God, it's where he forms the deepest parts of your faith. Maybe you're going through a time of doubt in your marriage or in your business. Can I tell you something? God has a fresh word for that area of your life. God doesn't let anything happen by accident. 
If you're having questions about your ministry or your health, it's because God has a fresh word. Amen? Amen. And, and he does things during this time. What is he doing? He's working on our faith. Why? Because life is all about our ability to trust and believe. The most important fight you'll ever fight is called the fight of faith. Not fighting with people. That's not the fight you're called to. It's not political. It's the fight to decide whether you will overcome your doubts and fears. Why? Because all the blessings of God that come to your life, they come through faith. They don't come because you wish for them or you need them. Matthew 9, 29, Jesus said, according to your what? Faith, it shall be done to you. Most people receive far less than God has for them because they, in this some area of their life, they never responded. God says, I'm trying to teach you faith in your marriage. Oh, but I don't want to do that. I just want to go by feelings. <laughs> and I don't feel like that right now. And God says, no. I want to build that because faith is the container of the blessing. See, God does not work by taking control. He works by us giving permission. <laughs> you know, the Bible says Jesus stands at the door and knocks. He doesn't kick the door down. <laughs> Do you want more of me? Seek me with all your heart. Do you want to see a miracle? Believe for, in a way you've never believed before. See, God can be pouring out a Niagara fall of blessing, but your faith is the container, right? If you have a cup-sized faith, guess how much blessing you're going to get? Cup-sized. If you have a thimble size, how many know there's people today that don't think God's doing anything anymore because they have a thimble size? And then some people have a swimming pool size. Hallelujah. And they're just so filled with faith and God's moving. And what happened? Five miracles this week. Wow, why are those happening to you? No, they could have happened to you too. You just have limited God. You know, this verse, it's always struck me, James, it says, you have not because you ask not. Won't it be a bummer to get to heaven and God shows you all these miracles up there and says, those were all yours, just never bothered to ask, you know. I had all that for you. See this marriage, that was yours. See that? See what I was gonna do in your family? And that's what I want to talk about today. One of the most important things God wants to do in these times of doubt is what I call in your notes, unlearning your limitations. <laughs> unlearning your limitations. See, we don't even know, but through attitudes and experiences and beliefs, we have often limited what God could do in our life. Look at this verse in Psalm 78. Uh, this is such a powerful verse, Psalm 78. Uh, I think it was 14. There it is. All right. It's talking about the children of Israel. They had this great thing where they got out of Egypt, but now they're in that doubt season, the wilderness. Just like you and I go through. They hit, they're hitting the wall right now. How many have a place in your life you're hitting the wall? Ouch, ouch, ouch. My head, my head, my head, my head. And now they got to make a choice. Am I going to, I'm going to believe my beliefs or am I going to believe my doubts? But look what it says. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? 
Yea, they turned back and tempted God. Everybody read this with me. And limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. Have you ever seen people then? They were just soaring with God like this. And then one day, they become bitter. They, they, they isolate. They, they become victims. Why? Because they allowed a belief, a way of thinking and responding to take over in their hearts that put a lid on God's blessing. And they, 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 that whole generation, except two, Joshua and Caleb, they died in the wilderness. Please, I'm telling you, this place of doubt, this is a life or death place. We talked about a few weeks ago, you can either become Peter or Judas. Both of them doubted. But one went one way, the other one went the other way. In that low moment of your life, are you going to choose faith? And, and my burden today is for this. That so many people, they get stuck. They, they, they fall so, so short of their potential. Look at this verse, Ephesians 3.20. I've always loved this verse. It's so powerful. Uh, but I want you to see it a little different today. Now to him, read it with me, who is able <laughs> to do exceedingly, listen to me. What is God able to do for you? Listen to this. Exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Now notice he uses two words. What are you asking and what are you thinking? Those are going to set the bar. What are you asking God? What are you thinking about God? What have you accepted as your limits or what God can or can't do? This man named Wayne Cadero is an awesome pastor. He's telling a story. He went to Japan. He was walking there on Okinawa, and he saw these guys selling these birds in a cage. And I thought this was kind of interesting. God taught him something. So they said, well, it's like 10,000 yen. So he goes and starts to take the bird home. He said, no, 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 no. You're not buying this bird in cage. You're just getting the right to let the bird out of the cage. Go over to that cliff. He's like, wow, great. I said, what am I going to do? So he goes over there, and it's very interesting. He opens the door of the cage. And he says, come on, birdie, come on, birdie. And the birdie sits there, doesn't move. So he figures out how to take the lid off of the cage. He says, this will do it. And he holds the, the bird over the cliff and says, all right, birdie, I believe you can fly. Come on. And the bird sort of just flutters around and then comes right back down on the perch. He starts shaking the, the cage, and the bird just, woo, 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 and every time comes back on the perch. He does, suddenly he begins to realize something. This bird doesn't have limitations out here. It has limitations in here. I think that little bird tried many times to fly through that ceiling, and every time he banged his little bird brain on that roof. And he decided, I can't get out of this cage. How many know the greatest hindrances of your life are not out there? They're all in here. Finally, Wayne takes the bird, he lifts him out, puts him over the cliff, and pushes the bird. The bird, ah! But somewhere finds its wings. 
literally kind of circled around, came back down, and I don't know what Japanese birds say, but something like arigato, whatever it was, <laughs> and flew away. And he said, something happened. It was not bars around him only that moved, but it was bars inside of him. And I'm here today to tell you there, there are some bars inside of all of us that God wants to remove. The potential in your life I can't even describe. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. Do you know how incredible you are? Just tell that person that you're incredible. I mean, you're amazing. You have Jesus living in you. Do you know the Bible says you're seated with Christ in heavenly places? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Come on. You see, the problem is not what's in you. The problem is what you are allowing to limit you. And God wants you to unlearn those things so you can make room to fly. There's a person we just want to look at a few minutes named Abraham. And I want you to see a time where he was in his wilderness of doubt. And he unlearned some limitations that allowed him to go to a whole new level. Abraham is very important in the Bible because he's called the father of the faith, meaning he's like the progenitor, the, the living example of how you live by faith. You want to know how to do it? Check out Abe. He leaves his country. God speaks to him. And go to this land. I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to bless the whole world through your seed. I'm going to make you a great nation. Hey, Abe, you're not just going to be a husband and wife. You're going to be a nation, dude. You know? and, and guess what he does? He walks right off his map and goes, to, how, how many love people who will walk off their map? God said it. How are you going to do it? I don't know, but God said it. How are you going to afford that? I don't know, but I'm walking because God said he's going to do it. And just takes off. And he understands it means, okay, you're going to have a baby. Now, the problem was that Sarah was, was infertile, unable to have children. And he had a little faith for a while, but the years started going by, 10, 15, 20. Now, we don't know exactly at this time, but she was in her 70s. He's probably his 90-ish. And, and all of a sudden, he's in that place and said, this, this is, I thought this was what God said. I thought this was going to happen. It's too late. Anybody ever been there? God, I thought you said you were going to give me this ministry. It just pff, all crashed. And I thought my kids were going to be this. Lord, I had a prophetic word. That doesn't look like it. And, and I thought this was going to be there. And here I am, nowhere, and it's been 20 years. And now, here is the biggest limitation of all. It's too late. Somebody say, it's never too late. It's never too late for God. And so God comes. Let's read this passage, Genesis 15. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. Hallelujah. See, when God is going to bring a miracle, he doesn't talk about your situation. He talks about who he is. It's not about how bad your problem is. It's how big your God is. That's all that matters. Let's stop talking about your problem. Let's start talking about your God. He is your shield 
and your reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. God, it didn't work. All my assets are going to the bank. They're not happening. Then the word of the Lord, hallelujah, came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And then he took him outside and said, look up at the sky. Come on, somebody look up higher today and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. I mean, God wants to write a draw, a picture of a future in your heart today that is so big, is so amazing that you do not just live in this moment. You do not even see your problems. You see where you're going. You see what God's promising. You see what's about to happen. And you're full of joy and faith because you're on your way to a miracle. And notice what it said. Abram, say it with me, believed the Lord. And he credited it to him as righteousness. Now we're going to see what happens, but I just want you to see the power of this. It actually is several years later when Abram is 100 years old. Sarah's in her 90s. And what I love is he chooses the name for this baby when she gets pregnant, Isaac. You know what it means? It doesn't just mean laughter. It means ho, 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 ho. You know, when God does that miracle, it's going to be so amazing. You can't explain it. You're just going to crack up. He looks at that beautiful but very aged woman. And he just says, God, you're going to die. You know, God, you're just too amazing. You're just too amazing, God. But because he dares to go beyond his fear and limitations, can I tell you what happens? The whole world is blessed. When you unlearn your limitations, it's not going to change your life only. It's going to change everyone around you. When you unlearn fear, when you unlearn depression, unbelief, I'm thankful that there were these guys called the Wright Brothers, and they unlearned something they were told all their life, people can't fly. Wait a second, I think I'm going to unlearn that and invent an airplane. When NASA decided to unlearn that there's no way to get to a moon, when they unlearn that, can I tell you how faith, faith is learn, unlearn, so you can learn. Discover, deconstruct what you thought was true, reconstruct what God says is true. That's how you go from doubt to destiny. I'm so thankful. We thank God for those who, who invented the va vaccine that they said they understood that no one, there's no way you can do that in one year. But somebody unlearned that. And I'm so glad that Jesus Christ, when he saw that we were sinners, that we could never get our lives together, he didn't say, oh, I see, they're going to die and go to hell. He says, I can unlearn that. I will come and die for them. And I will make them. And we create these possibilities that never would have been there because we unlearned something. When we 
bought this beautiful building. We were a little storefront church on Idaho. We had bought some land, but we were stuck and, and, and praying and, and that they wouldn't let us build in this property we had bought. We didn't know. This building came for sale. It was five times bigger than what I had thought we could ever afford at that time. And, and we looked at it. I remember I went home and, and talked to Sharon about it. I said, but Sharon, there is no way we could ever afford that. I love it because she just came back at me. How many are thankful for spouses that won't let you waver? Says, Dale, where is your faith? Come on, man of God. I said, oh, sorry. Whoa. Yes, ma'am. And I got on my knees and fasted and prayed, and the elders prayed, and God said, that's your building. And suddenly, I don't know, we get this $500,000 gift, and we're here today. But we, you wouldn't be sitting there if somebody hadn't unlearned their unbelief, what they knew was possible or thought was possible. There is areas of your life today that God wants to totally transform if you'll unlearn what you've always believed. So how did Abraham do it? Let me just give you some thoughts. Number one, Abraham was willing to admit the limitations he was putting on God. He, he was able to admit, God, I admit that I can't believe that my wife can have a baby when she's 90. God, I, 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 and I know it's not your problem, it's my problem. God, as I, as I said in my book, God, I just shrunk the Lord. I just shrunk what you could do. And, and he just began to recognize those things. There are limits that I have put on the Lord, you've put on the Lord, and I want to help you today. I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, where have I shrunk my beliefs? You see, we put it this way. Doubt is putting the problem between us and God. Faith is putting God between us and the problem. Doubt is interpreting God in the light of the problem. Faith is interpreting the problem in light of God. Doubt is bringing God down to the level of your experience. Well, I've never seen that happen. I've never seen that happen. Faith is saying, I'm going to lift my experience to the level of God's promise. It is a, a switch on the inside. It is, a, it is a miracle that happens in your brain where you unlearn what has always kept you stuck in some area of your life. I went through a list, and I did this. I encourage you to. I just pray, God, show me ways that I've limited you in my life. I wasn't surprised. I, I started this list. I got to number 20, and I quit because I was too convicted. Anyhow, I did not realize these mindsets, these reactions, these labels just give you a few of them, examples. Accepting failure or rejection as, as a reason to give up. I found there's things I've given up on that God hadn't given up on yet. But I shrunk God to the level of my discouragement. How about this one? Believing the logic of what the world says about you. How about, I'm too old for that. <laughs> I don't have enough money for that. I'm too young for that. I'm, I'm too uneducated for that. Man, I love, 
I love what the Lord said, you know, when Adam and Eve fell. God wanted to reconcile them, but they wouldn't believe. They put these fig leaves over them, and they hid from God. And God said, Adam, where are you? And why aren't you coming to the light? He says, it's because I'm naked. It was a way of saying, because I'm a loser. I'm so bad. And God shouts out. He says, Adam, who told you you were naked? I didn't tell you that. How many know who told him that? It was the devil. Who told you that you'll never break out of this depression? Who told you that? Who told you God can't do it? Who told you that? It, it's accepting these lids and lies and labels. When God first called me to preach. I said, God, we have a problem here. I am an introvert. I am not a people person. You just got to understand, I don't do people. They get me nervous. I love them, but I'll pray for them. But don't make me talk to them too much. And I went through the whole thing. And, and God, I'm not, I can't lead because I'm a bad planner. <laughs> and, and God, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Finally, he just said, are you finished yet? Can I tell you what I see? What's underneath the surface, before you were born, before you were still in your mother's womb, I called you. Deep inside of you, I put gifts that will change a world. Buried in you is the power of God's Holy Spirit. Will you let me out? Sometimes it's, it's discouragement and and. And pain from our past, that's a lid. I think it was Mark Twain who said, if a cat sits on a hot stove, that cat will never sit on a hot stove again. But it won't sit on a cold stove either. It just won't sit on stoves. How many ever been real burned, right? What did you do? Well, I'm not trusting again. I'm not going there again. You just limited the Holy One of Israel. What if he's not through with that yet? How many know God can heal your wounds? That's what Jeremiah 30, if, I, if I'm reading it right, Jeremiah 30, 17 says, I will heal your wounds and restore your health. It's his promise. Which is going to be true about you? I've been hurt and defeated and I'll never get over it. Who told you that lie? Some of the things in my life have been tradition. Well, that's not the way we do it. How many of you know you can limit God with your traditions? This is all we do. This is how we do it. I got to be a part of something. We're going to celebrate the 50th anniversary of this Jesus movement in September. It's one of the greatest revivals that hit America. And God did everything that the religious world thought was wrong. He used these crazy hippie people who came to church barefooted, who worshiped in the street. I just remember my conservative church saying, watch out for those Jesus people. They are going to mess you up. Don't you dare go to Bassett Center and sing Kumbaya with them. Don't go around praying for the sick like they're doing. Don't go preaching in your high school. 
And, they, and the weird thing, these Jesus people, they didn't sit in chairs. They just came and sat on the floor and threw out the chairs. One church said, hey, we just bought new carpet. These guys are dirty. They've been to Woodstock yet. Whatever. We can't let them sit on the carpet. What should we do, pastor? He says, we're getting rid of the carpet this week because we don't want to get in the way of what God can do. When I was young, I was raised in a church that says Catholics can't really be Christians. I'm sorry. This is just something that I had been told. Just God's sense of humor is I married a Catholic who loved Jesus more than me. You know, whatever it is. Don't tell God what he can do. Because the moment you think you got it figured out, can I tell you, there's a revival coming and it won't look like anything. And some people will be mad sitting on their pew. And other people will say, hey, let's go. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the rap music revival. I don't know what it is. But I'm in, God. Because I won't let my tradition get in the way of my God's plan and power. It can be emotions. Can I tell you, doubt is 90% emotion. We put reasons to it, but it's really you're ticked off <laughs> or you're discouraged and you're just talking. See, human beings are feelers who think, not thinkers who feel. We are fueled by these emotions that come over us. And if we allow those emotions, they will rule our life. The children of Israel, the, the emotion of discouragement became Lord, and they begin to complain and murmur, and their negativity brought them to death. There's emotions that you and I are facing today. I don't know what they are. It could be anger. It could, be, it could just be confusion. It could be low self-esteem. But I want to tell you, those emotions are not God. And God wants to come in the middle of those emotions. And he wants to replace what you're feeling with who he is and the truth of what he can do. The next thing that helped Abraham is God helped him get out of his box. I just love it. He was in this little tent. God says, if, you, if you're going to believe, you're going to have to get outside of that present environment. Get out of your tent. You need to take a 60-foot walk from your tent, from your little pity party place, and I want you to go out and see the stars. Can I tell you, many times before we get a new vision, we've got to go to a new place. We've got to, that, that, may, that may be a new pace. We've got to slow down. It may be new people. How many know people create an environment for faith or fear? Some of you, if you stay in that environment with those people, you will never reach your potential. God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open the heavens to you, but, but that's not the environment I can do it in. You need to, to, to leave those people. You need to be over with these people. These people will fuel your faith, and those people will kill your faith. It's time to get out of your tent. What God was doing in this time was he was changing the way that Abraham saw God. Abraham was seeing God in the light of his problems. He's too old. And now he's going to go out where he can see his problems in the light of how big God is. A.W. Tozer said this. I thought it was remarkable. He says, he says a low view of God is, is the cause of 10,000 miseries. And a high view of God is the cause of 10,000 solutions. 
It is not really the size of your problems that matter at all. It's the size of your God. If you have a big God, you have little problems. You have a little God, whoo, you got big problems. It is the decision you make, and this is what I'm calling us to today, to not try to stand and figure out God, but to go to a place of standing in wonder and awe and worship of God. To take away what you've thought, to stare at his massive glory and say, God, like Job said, God, I, I, I'm just like dust. Or like David said, who am I? When I behold the skies, the stars, it gives you this humility. Can I tell you, the secret of, of leaving doubt is humility. You never find people of faith who think they know it all. How many know God doesn't need any more know-it-alls? God needs people who know, I don't know it all, <laughs> but I know God does. To recapture the wonder of being. Do you remember when you were first saved and you didn't know anything? You couldn't even, you didn't even know where the book of John was in the Bible. But you sensed him. And you fell on your face. And you're saying, How great thou art. And suddenly you realized you didn't want a God that's small enough for you to figure out. How many know if God is small enough for you to understand him? He's too small to take care of the complexities of the problems of your life and my life. I don't want a God I can understand. He would be way too small. I want a God who I know sees the end from the beginning, who is omniscient, who knows all things about everything, who has all power, who is omnipotent, who is before all things and after all things and in all things. A God who knows the end from the beginning. He doesn't have to wait till yesterday. He's already in tomorrow. He's already in tomorrow, just like he's in yesterday, just like he's in now. And he's all those places at the same time. He knows everything about you and everything about me, everything we ever will do, everything we won't do, everything we could have done and might have done but didn't do. He knew that too and he knew it all and he loves you because he loves you more than anything. He's a great God. He's an amazing God and he just wants you to humble. Why? So he becomes bigger in your life. I love the story in Prince Caspian, one of the Chronicles of Nadia and and Lucy sees Aslan. Remember, Aslan is the lion, if you know the story, who represents Jesus. And he, she hasn't seen Aslan for a, for a long time. And so she sees Aslan, and her first words are, Aslan, you're so much bigger now. And Aslan says, no, Lucy, I'm not bigger. You're bigger. Now you can see me a little better for who I really am. How I long to say, God, Tomorrow, let me see a little more about how big you are. Because that changes everything. He, he, he was able to leave the mysteries with God. I just think this is so important if you're in a time of doubt. He could have sat there and says, well, God, why did you wait till she's 90 years old? 
Hey, why did, not, why did you not choose Ishmael? Why did you decide this? And why did I have to move all the way from Ur? I had a cool condo there. Why did I have to be here? You know how we are. God wouldn't answer any of his questions. Just like he wouldn't answer Job. God, why did you allow suffering? Why did you allow that? Finally, at the end, Job just says, God, you're God. I don't need to know why. I need to know you. A pastor told me many years ago, we all need a mystery box. We all need to take the questions. We don't have any answers. Put them in that box and say, God, someday when I'm in heaven, we're going to have an appointment. I remember when I was 19 and saved, and my best friend, David Swearingen, gets in a car accident. He's killed. And Days, I'm saying, why? We were going to be missionaries together. His, his girlfriend was Sharon's best friend. I mean, it was like, no, no, no. After several days, God says, would you please just bring that to me? I'll keep it safe until one day you will know it all. You will understand it. Abraham moved more from a rational point to a relational point. I just say this real quick. It's interesting that in the story of Abraham, before this time, God had spoken to him, but this is the first time recorded that Abraham speaks to God. Before he knows about God, you know, but now he knows God. How many know faith doesn't come from rationale? It comes from relationship. It doesn't come because you're smart. It comes because you're vulnerable. And you learn to hear his voice. It comes because in that dark night where you abandon yourself to him, he speaks to you. This is so huge when people come, I've done this with skeptics or someone, they say, you know, they want to argue. You know what I tell them? I say, no, just wait. Could you just give me a year? Well, what do you mean? Well, just, I just, you don't need an explanation of God because you would just argue back and we'd not get, but what if you would dare to experience God? So just come to church, and when they sing those songs, sing them. Oh, I don't even believe it. Well, just sing them anyway. And, and the Bible plan, go ahead and do it. Oh, I don't Yeah, just do it. And when we go feed the poor, go with us. And when we pray, say a prayer. Well, I don't even know if God's there. It's okay. Just say, God, I don't know if you're there. But he told me to say this, so I'm saying it. And I'll tell you what will happen. Somewhere on the journey of just building relationship with God, you will experience him. He, he will come to you. How many know when he speaks to you, doubts melt away. When he touches you, those things of feeling, the anger is sucked out of you. When he whispers your name, your identity changes forever. When he breathes on you, everything dead in you comes alive. He is what you're longing for. Take the questions, lay them at his feet and say, God, we'll deal with that someday, but I just want to touch your hand. Just touch. My, remember, you, your kids were young. They would cry. They'd get out of bed. I'd just go and just lay down with little Joey or something and, 
It, it, all of a sudden, he'd get peace. Sometimes he'd put his hand right on my face. Oh, I feel you. I feel you. As if I could really do anything for him. God says, just feel me. Just know. Be still and know. I'm God. I told you about my insecurity. You know, I tried to rationalize myself. Well, I can be a pastor, and I, 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 can, I go to school, and none of that helped me. I still felt so inadequate. And then I remember one time I'm driving, the Holy Spirit just says, Dale, you didn't choose to be a pastor. I chose you. In fact, the people that are going to come to this church, they didn't choose to be there. They don't know this, but I chose them to be there and I chose you to be their pastor. And because I'm in charge of this, I'm going to speak through your preaching, through your relationship. I'm going to, and, and their lives are going to be changed forever. And it has zero to do with you. It has everything to do with me. And from that day on, I had peace. Because the Father spoke. The last one is just verbalize his promises. Claim his promises. In the word of God, everywhere that you have something you need to unlearn, God has a story about that. If you think I'm not worthy to be used of God, he has a story about a man named Saul that persecuted Christians. And God says, but you're still my chosen vessel. If you feel like you can't speak, he has a man named Moses who stuff, 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 and God says, you're perfect for the job. If you think that a sickness is too big, Jesus says, look at how I raised the dead. <laughs> if you have a worry, he says, as you worry, read what I say, that I am the God of the cattle of a thousand hills. I hold the whole world in my hand. I know the hairs of head, a number of hairs on your head, you know. I hold the future. And when you begin to internalize that, it's like you unlearn things you've always believed. See, worry is something you learn to limit God with. Someone said, worry is imagining a future without God. Why does tomorrow look so bad? Because you don't see God in the middle of it. Worries remove God. Well, this is gonna happen and that's gonna, wait a second, how about God? But faith, is challenging all of those doubts. I love to tell people, doubt your doubts. <laughs> when doubts attack you, instead of just letting them rock you, say, wait, say, doubt, I'm gonna call you to a court of law. You sit there and I'm going to interrogate you. You've interrogated my faith, but I'm gonna interrogate your lies. Now, let me see if I get this straight. Now, you're telling me that the blood of Jesus is not powerful enough to deliver me from all sin. Is that what you're saying? Well, doubt, my verdict is in. You are untrue. Let's just read this one last verse. Romans 4 is where Paul reflects on this moment in history, and he gives his interpretation of what was happening in Abraham at that moment. Let's read that. Romans 4, 18. This is so good. I love it. Against all hope, Abraham in hope. I love one translation that says, when there was no reason to hope, Abraham hoped anyway. Hallelujah. And he believed. 
And he became the father of nations. Everything that's happened in history started with one guy who said, I believe. You could be the one person in all of your family line of unbelievers who say, I believe in the history of your family's changed forever. Just as has been said, social offspring, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. I like how he says, as good as dead. He looked at himself and said, oh, I don't know about that. He looked at Sarah and said, no way, you know, whatever. No way. But then he turned from that and he looked at the promise of God and he grew strong in his faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. That is why it was credited to him as right. That is why Abraham stands apart. Was it because he was good? No, there's plenty of failures. Was it because he was perfect? No, he wasn't. Was it because of anything about Abraham? No, it was because he believed God. It wasn't because of his promises that he kept to God. It was because he dared to accept and believe the promises God made to him, period. He just said, I know I messed up, but I believe. And God says, now you're the father of a million people. Part of that unlearning is to begin to verbalize the promises. Begin to unlearn. Every time fear, you begin to speak not what fear says, but what God says. In fact, God changes his name from Abram to Abraham because the name Abraham means I'm a father of many nations. Every time Abraham introduced himself, he made his declaration. Hello, my name is the father of many nations. Well, how many kids you have? None. But my name is the father of many nations. Believe me, they're coming. Well, you're 95 years old. Yeah, but I'm the father of many nations. And you don't see it now, but it's on his way because God is true and he's able. He's bigger than anything. And when you decide, I tell you, when you decide to change your language, your internal voice, your internal discussions, when you change the channel on what you tell yourself, Joshua said, if you'll meditate in the word day and night, if you'll repeat to yourself day and night who God says you are, who God says he is, it says somehow you'll start to unlearn feel. You'll start to unlearn doubt and shame and discouragement. You'll start to realize who you really are. You'll start to realize that Christ lives in you, that greater is he, that there is nothing that's impossible with God. You'll start to live a whole new life because the word of God is that powerful. It is so strong. It will change the way you think and live forever. And everybody said, amen. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and let's just stand and, and, and pray a moment and close. But I want them to just lead us in one little chorus and but what I'd love for you to do right now is ask the Lord, Holy Spirit, where have I put limits on you in my life? Where are there things that are labels or lies or lids, memories, something someone said over me, a way I learned to respond, family secret, family habits, vows that I made I should have never made, Things I've resigned to as permanent that you said you want to deliver me from. 
Please help me, Holy Spirit. I want to unlearn failure. I want to unlearn fear. I want to unlearn shame. I want to unlearn condemnation. I want to unlearn being a defeated person, a low self-image. I want to unlearn these emotions that are out of control and make me feel rejected and make me think like a victim. I want to unlearn that. And I want to just receive deep inside of me how big you are, how much you can do that I can't even imagine, and how your promises change everything about me and everything I should think about my future, how you are truly God. You are truly great. There's no limits on what you can do for me, and there's no limits on what you can do in me. Just tell them, Lord, I believe that you're big enough for all my pain for all my struggles, for all my questions. God, I let you be bigger now with my faith. Let's just sing this chorus one more time. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And I'll see how great, how great is our God. Sing it out. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Sing it one more time. How great, how great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how how great is our God. Sing name above all names. Name above all names. You are worthy of all praise. And my heart will sing how great.
Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just pray. Pray with me in closing. If you just put your name on your, your hands on your heart. And there's someone here struggling with faith. And the most important question, have you the assurance of a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? The absolute assurance, if you were to die today, that you would go to heaven. Have you a friendship with Jesus that's personal and real? You can receive that by faith right now. We could all just pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. You died for me. You rose again. I accept you into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Become the leader of my life. I'm sorry for resisting you, doubting you, and leaving you behind. I'm coming to you now to give you my life. Come in, Lord Jesus. You are my Savior. You are my forgiver. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord praise for those who received Him? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that God's Word has inspired you today in a way that will boost your faith greatly. We want to encourage you to visit our website at hftw.church and follow us on our social media. May God bless you richly.